think we've reached a point where we have a good enough number of people here that we can start a Lagos meeting for this evening. So I formally just want to just welcome you to our gathering tonight. And we're looking forward to just having an opportunity to gather in fellowship around the teaching of God's word. This evening, we'll be continuing in our study of First Timothy from chapter 5, um, verses 17 through 25. And we'll have the blessing of receiving teaching from our Deacon Garrett. So I hope you guys um, are looking forward to that, especially after just having an opportunity to hopefully have um, uh, to study the passage in your exegesis groups and so uh, in your discipleship groups. Um, before we begin our time together, um, I do just want to um, just uh, say it's good to have you and um, just looking forward to our time. And so in a few moments, I'm going to open with a word of prayer and JC will also pray as well. And then we're going to just have a few reminders regarding tonight's meeting, and then we'll begin to transition into the time of being in the word together. Okay. So with that said, um, I'm going to begin by uh, asking you to bow your head so we can begin our time with a word of prayer. So let's pray together. God, what a blessing it is to, um, just have this opportunity this evening to be gathered together as the body of Christ, um, just to be able to humbly, hopefully recognize that, Lord, um, our presence uh, here together this evening is um, a gift of your grace, God. Um, we just want to just humbly acknowledge, Lord, that uh, the gift of the salvation that we've received through Christ um, by your grace is something that we don't deserve, and even just now having an opportunity to be together as the body of Christ um, and to have the opportunity as your church be able to um, receive the teaching of your word, Lord, is um, something that I hope we can each just be thankful for, God, and treasure in our hearts. For we know that, Father, um, it is your word that is really um, what instructs our, our lives for um, just enabling us to grow in our Christian maturity, but also in our love and obedience for you. And we thank you, Father, for just enabling us to have these moments together um, in the midst of just the current circumstances. We're thankful that we've been able to persist in gathering together in this way. And even though it is far from what is ideal, um, Lord, we do recognize that it is still a tremendous um, gift of your grace that we can be joined together um, even in this way, Father. And I pray, God, that, Lord, in this moment, we can really allow just our hearts and minds to uh, transition from the things that have come in the day before, um, Lord, and just come into a place now where we can um, just transition to a place of just having our hearts ready to receive the teaching of your word. Um, Father, I do just pray and ask that if there's anything that is will hinder us from being able to just give our hearts attention to you, God, that even now you can graciously allow the work of your spirit and your presence to remove those things, to remove the distractions so that we can be fully ready, Lord, and joyfully receive um, just the grace of your good word, God. I thank you for um, our Deacon Garrett, who will be teaching this evening, and I do just pray, Father, that you would enable him to speak um, just with clarity um, the truth of your word from First Timothy, God. Um, we just pray for your enabling for that and just ask that tonight, Lord, would really be um, just a, an evening where you are magnified and glorified, and Lord, your work your word would be able to do its work in our lives, um, Lord, as you desire. We just thank you when we pray these things in Jesus' name. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you for you are the author 
and the perfecter of our faith. We thank you that you gave us your word. We thank you for the passage that we are about to go through. And we thank you that your word refreshes and strengthens our soul. May we see this passage through the lens of the gospel. And by the power of your spirit, we pray that may you illuminate our hearts to understand your passage, not only what to do, but also to know who you are, that you are our shepherd who cares for our physical and spiritual needs, that you care how we care for one another, not only to the members of our church, but also to the leaders of our church. May you just continue to help us as a church to be a channel of your grace and love um, for your gospel. We pray for our elders and also the, our sister churches, elders as well, that may they be united in love, in truth, and by your grace, Lord, we thank you for just appointing elders in our church. May you just continue to strengthen them and help them, Lord. And may we grow, Lord, as a church to uh, apply this passage for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, JC. Um, now we're going to have an opportunity to transition into just focusing on our passage for this evening. And so if you can, I'd like to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of First Timothy. And as you're doing that, I just want to make a few reminders regarding our gathering this evening um, so that we can have an edifying and encouraging time together. Um, one thing that we do want to encourage you to do, if you are able, is to turn on your cameras and allow yourselves to be seen. We do believe that goes a long way towards enhancing just the opportunity we have to fellowship um, given the circumstances. It's uh, the nearest thing we can have to being together. So we just want to encourage you to do that if you are able. Okay. Also, just a reminder that we do record these sessions because we do make them available for people to listen to after the evening if they aren't able to come and join us in person here during this time of fellowship. Uh, the recordings are made available on the website so that folks who aren't able to attend will have an opportunity to either listen or view these recordings later. So um, just, to, just to have that in mind. Also, we do just want to remind you that we do leave the chat open in the Zoom meeting, um, but we just want to strongly encourage you to use the chat appropriately. Um, and to really just res be respectful if you do, um, to recognize that if you do use it, it should be just for the purpose of um, edification and encouragement and for um, things that are needed. Um, so if you do want to use the chat, we just want to make sure you use it correctly. Okay, um, now we're going to have an opportunity to be able to read the passage for our time of teaching this evening which is gonna be from the book of First Timothy chapter five, and hopefully you've turned there already. We're in verses 17 through 25. And just a note, after the scripture reading, we are gonna have an opportunity to hear from two folks from our discipleship groups um, who are gonna have an opportunity to share just something they learned from their time in their exegesis meetings and also a prayer request so that we can just uh, be encouraged by how Sorry, have I been muted this whole time? Just, oh. just for the last couple seconds. Oh, okay. 
Sorry. I think it, I'm not sure if, because I, um, I went to the other screen, so I'm not sure where I dropped off. Um, but I, I did just mention that um, after the scripture reading, we are going to be able to hear from a few folks from our discipleship groups that are going to have an opportunity to share regarding something they learned from their time in the exegesis and also prayer requests. And those individuals are Edmund Sui and Josephine Wu. So once I have had an opportunity to read the passage for this evening, I'll be turning the time over to them to share before we receive our teaching from Garrett. Okay. So just grab your Bibles. And again, we're in 1 Timothy chapter 5. And we're reading verses 17 through 25. So 1 Timothy chapter 5, beginning with verse 17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder, except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sin of, sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Okay, now I want to turn the time over to Edmund to share something he learned and also a prayer request from his time in exegesis. Hello, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, so one thing that I learned this week uh, in, our, um, in our discipleship group time was uh, how high of a calling it is uh, for elders um, who uh, preach and teach, but also um, how how high of a standard it is um, for them as we see in uh, the second half of the passage um, just uh, yeah I, because at the time um, there are a ton of uh, false teachers um, as we see in first uh, Timothy 1 um, and Paul warns them and uh, yeah we just see how um, yeah how high of a calling it is for uh, elders to uh, teach and how how much honor that they uh, do deserve um, and yeah so my prayer request um, I guess is um, I started working a couple months ago and uh, with work um, it's very easy to think that um, you're working for yourself and um, just to think that you're doing everything for yourself but um, I think the prayer request is for me to uh, work for God and to work diligently for God um, and yeah, even, yeah, even as I work that, um, I can glorify God in, um, my work and even talking and speaking to my coworkers. Um, you know, if I can share, if I could be a light at work, um, yeah, I think that is my prayer request and yeah, thank you guys. Thanks, Edmund. And yeah, let's just be praying to that end that indeed, 
and it can be a te good testimony in the workplace and also that, that that would be true for all of us who are working as well and in all the places that we go. Thanks for sharing, I mean, uh, and I'll turn the time over to Josephine now. Okay, um, so one of the things we learned or I learned from the study um, was just really how uh, the, how we are to care for um, the elders, both physically and spiritually, and how much emphasis that uh, Christ places on um, places on making sure that uh, their spiritual like their uh, spiritual well-being, um, but also their spiritual purity, which then would extend also to the church. Um, so, to not be hasty in appointing. Um, so that the church won't be, uh, so that the church can remain pure in this way. Um, my prayer request for me would be, um, like right now I am, uh, one of the things that I am trying to learn is to uh, be humble, uh, which is pretty hard for me. And so my prayer request is that I would continue to learn to be humble for, by caring for others um, with Christ's love, um, as is in the Philippians, um, to consider others more significant than myself, um, that I would be able to like not only practically do that, but do that out of a love for Christ. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Josephine. And I hope that in addition to Edmund and Josephine, that we were all just greatly just encouraged by just uh, our time and learning more about how we can care for our elders. And thanks for being open and vulnerable with your prayer request. And so let's be keeping her in prayer as well. So thanks so much, everyone. And I hope for the rest of you also had a fruitful and encouraging time in your exit Jesus meetings as well. Um, with that said, we've now come to the time when we have an opportunity for to hear from our Deacon Garrett um, to receive the teaching from this passage in First Timothy. So I'll turn the time over to you, Garrett. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Terrence, and thanks, Josephine and Edmund, for sharing. Uh, keep your Bibles open at 1 Timothy 5. We'll, we'll be there tonight. Um, but before we do so, let me go ahead and share my screen. All right. We good? You guys see my screen? Thumbs up. Cool. All right. Before we get started, let's let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you so much for uh, giving us the chance to uh, open your word this morning or this evening. Uh, we are thankful that you revealed your will uh, to us, your will for your church uh, through uh, this epistle written from Paul to Timothy. We're thankful that we can see your guidance and your instructions for the church and how uh, that is just a blessing for us. Uh, we're, we thank you first and foremost for uh, the good news of the gospel that you sent Christ uh, to come and, and die for our sins and take uh, the wrath uh, that we deserved in our place so that we would be uh, reconciled to you. We pray that uh, this evening uh, that our hearts would be open to receive your word uh, for the truth of it. Uh, it's authority in our lives, and the Lord, we need it, um, and we need it to not only uh, live well, but to know you, and so we pray that tonight 
the word would do its work in our hearts to bring us into conformity with your will. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Well, uh, first of all, uh, hope that you've all had uh, fruitful times in this passage already uh, on your own, as well as within your discipleship groups. And, uh, you know, just to kick things off, uh, you know, hopefully one of the first thing you guys noticed was, you know, that this passage is mainly focused on elders, um, just as the prior passage that we studied a couple weeks ago with JC was focused on how to honoring widows and care for them in the church. Uh, Paul has now uh, shifted his attention uh, to the men you know, occupying the office of elder. You know, and of course, this isn't the first time that Paul has mentioned the office of elder or spoke directly to the importance of the work of the elder. This role of the elder was it was a vital instrument in Christ's plan for his church to bring the gospel to the ends of the world. And we remember that Paul's writing to Timothy, while the early church is still somewhat in this transition phase, many of the apostles were dying or reaching the end of their ministries. And, and the question that remained is, how would this good news continue to go out to the world? How would we be sure that the message maintained its fidelity you know, in, in, in the midst of all this false teaching that was going on? And, and Paul answers these questions right, in this epistle to Timothy, that the primary means that Christ uses to accomplish this goal are Christ-like men in Christ-honoring churches. And so instructions regarding what Timothy as an elder was to carry out, as well as qualifications for elders are all over this epistle. You, you see some of them here, right? Starting at the very beginning, Paul uh, charges Timothy to remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Then going into chapter two, we, we see him um, not permitting any women to teach or exercise authority over a man, right? highlighting again, the importance of, of teaching within the church. Into chapter three, we have the qualifications for elders, right? A, a host of character qualifications along with the ability uh, and competency in teaching. And then into chapter four, we have this description of the good servant of Christ Jesus, that he's trained in the words of the faith and the good doctrine that you followed. He he's, tells Timothy to command and teach these things, to devote himself to the public reading of scripture, uh, to exhortation, to teaching. Uh, and, he, and, and lastly, he, he tells him to keep a close watch on himself and on the teaching. And looking forward to chapter six, we're going to see that he tells Timothy to teach and urge these things. And so there's several other passages that we can point to that either directly speak to the elders teaching responsibility or relate to some aspect of, of proclaiming and protecting the true gospel of Jesus Christ. If this is the, this is the primary ministry of the under shepherd in Christ's church was the ministry of the word. And the passage tonight is focused on gospel care for leaders in the church. 
So what we're going to see and what follows isn't it's not just a list of do's and don'ts. Uh, it's not simply instructions for how to make the church run smoothly. Uh, what we're seeing here is the impact that the gospel has on, on how a church cares for its elders, both in the way it honors its elders and the way it hand, handles sin. So uh, with this context in mind, right, we come to the passage this evening, 1 Timothy 5, and we see uh, the first major point for tonight, which is the value of elders. We'll see that gospel care for elders means that the church values their labor. In verse 17, Paul writes, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So having you know, just gone over this quick survey of what an elder is called to do from 1 Timothy, it shouldn't be kind of obvious for any Christian that an elder who does well in this would be someone to esteem highly. Mature believers are going to be those who, who prize God's word. They're, they're those who, who love the scriptures and long to have it ministered to them on a regular basis. The, the believer shares David's heart from Psalm 19, where he declares that the law of the Lord is more to be desired than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than, drip, than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And these are the fundamental things in the life of a believer and in the life of the church. That we love God's word. Therefore, it follows that we give honor to elders. Why is that? It's because they play a vital role in bringing the Bible or what the Bible says uh, to bear right, in, our, in our daily lives. So we have to ask this question first before we even get to how we honor elders who rule well. It's just how much do we value you know, your own spiritual growth? How much do you really want to grow as a Christian? Does it mean anything to you to grow in holiness? Does it, does it mean anything to you to, to know God more? Are you content with how well you know your Bible? So perhaps you have a low view of the work of an elder. If that's you, then you probably have a low view of, of scripture of the importance of your walk with the Lord. And you may even have a low view of the gospel. And First Timothy is very clear that the elders are the ones in the church who are to make the gospel visible to others, right? both in their life and in their teaching. We, we learned this at the end of chapter four, right? And Paul says, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's the role of the elder to be a model of the gospel through what they proclaim from the pulpit, but also with the example of their lives. Do we esteem them for this? Do we honor them for this? And this is what we're called to do in, in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, 
you know, hopefully this was one of the cross-references you guys uh, picked up on in your exegesis time. He says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. So it starts there for us. How seriously do we take uh, the ministry of the word in our lives? It's clear from, from this passage that we're to honor elders who rule well, but how is this actually shown? Well, for those who labor in preaching and teaching, we support them financially, and we do so with generosity. Verse 18 makes clear that the work of preaching and teaching deserves financial support. In quoting from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, Paul lays out the case that the ministry of preaching and teaching should be compensated for. He writes that you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. So quote from Deuteronomy 25.4, the idea behind it is that you are not to take all the grain for yourself and not feed any to the ox because the, the ox did the work it, it deserved to eat. You know, this same passage from Deuteronomy is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 9, when Paul's writing about his own compensation. And in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 9, he writes this. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? So the argument he's making here is that the Old Testament law was not simply applicable to livestock. It was written for, for our own benefit as well. So what's more valuable, spiritual things or material things? Certainly spiritual things, right? So shouldn't those who sow spiritual things at least reap material things? And Paul quotes from the words of Jesus in Luke 10, back in, in 1 Timothy in our passage, the laborer deserves his wages. It's the responsibility of the church to care for those who labor, those who toil, those who work hard in the ministry of preaching and teaching by providing for their physical needs. Now, we understand that the scriptures warn against the love of money. Even in 1 Timothy 6, we see that there were uh, false teachers who were motivated by financial gain and, and thought that godliness would be the way to get rich. One of the qualifications for the elder that is that he's not a lover of money. So we must be beware of these kind of men, but we shouldn't have an attitude toward paying our pastors that's stingy. I mean, the church isn't called to oppress the pastors into some lowly state where they're just scraping by as if there's some added virtue in, in teaching them a lesson in meager living. No, we're, we're, we're called to be generous. We consider them worthy of double honor. This is language of, of generosity, not language of frugality. Also just wanna highlight the word labor here. Uh, Greek word holds a connotation of toil, hard work, Elsewhere in the New Testament, it's translated as 
diligently labor or work hard, toil. It's the term that Paul uses to describe the hardworking farmer. This is to say that the ministry of, of preaching and, and teaching is not easy. Um, you know, and I hope this isn't the case, but if you have any notion, you know, in your mind that the work of the pastor just takes place for an hour on Sunday mornings, maybe you know, a couple other times scattered throughout the week, because uh, that's uh, deeply mistaken. Uh, maybe true, some elders out there, uh, you know, they probably exist, but the elders that talking about, Paul is talking about here, and, and this is true of our elders as well, is those who rule well, right? those who are excelling in their roles as elder. These are the ones who put in the diligent work for hours and hours during the week, who agonize over the text, who wrestle with it over and over so that they would honor Christ in the way they handle his word and present it to us. It's not an easy task. It takes hard work. It should be valued. So the first way that the church cares for its elders is by honoring them and by supporting them financially. Now, secondly, we see that the church is called to value their holiness and protect them from sin. So gospel care for elders means that the church protects elders from sin. So we don't just uh, care for our elders by honoring them, by providing for them. The gospel of Christ calls the church to deal with sin God's way, not man's way. And the first aspect of this is seen in verse 19. I do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, we see this play out in this kind of broader society all the time, right? Whether it's celebrities, athletes, politicians, business leaders, any public figure is open to attack, accusation, you know, whether it's valid or not, so it is in, in the life of an elder, especially since shepherds in this church are so integrated into our lives, into the life of the congregation. Elders often say things that people find difficult to hear. It's the elder's job to exhort, to rebuke, uh, to confront sin, uh, and to bring the word of God to bear on people's lives. And it's not uncommon that people don't like that very much. Now, this opens up elders for all kinds of slander, accusations, ridicule, and mistreatment. Some in the congregation may seek to tear down a man's ministry and reputation because they're on some sort of personal vendetta against him. But Paul offers wisdom here that will protect elders against unfounded charges. He says there must be evidence supported by two or three witnesses. Uh, this echoes the words of, of Jesus in Matthew 18, um, and it, coming from the Old Testament law that there, that two or three witnesses, two or three people, uh, are there to establish charges, right, and to call a man to repentance before this charge is brought before the church. And the principle here is that we shouldn't be quick to raise accusations of sin against an elder and then just go spreading it around. Right? If we if we hear a random allegation. We must not entertain it unless it's substantiated. We must not be tempted to just believe everything we hear. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. 
So if someone comes up to you and starts accusing one of the elders, some sort of sin, what, what are you supposed to do? Or are we, are we supposed to handle sin our way, the world's way, or God's way? And what has God prescribed for his church in their dealings with sin? It's Matthew 18. We go to that person one-on-one and, and seek to win our brother. If he doesn't listen to us, then we bring two or three. If he still doesn't listen to us, then we take it to the church. We, we won't be a church that honors Christ if we don't handle sin according to his commands. One way, one way the world handles sin is it turns it into juicy gossip. You know, did you hear about so-and-so? Or, Can't believe it. Like, have you heard what she did? You know, this kind of gossip is it's destructive, has no place in, in Christ's church. Church doesn't act like the world. Right? We don't thrive off the latest tabloid celebrity exploits. The church doesn't treat its elders in the same way that the world treats Taylor Swift's like love life. It's not the same. Right? We handle sin according to Jesus's word. And that means that we guard against any sort of gossip or unsubstantiated claims made against those in public ministry, particularly the elders. So not, a, not only does the church uh, protect elders from false accusations, the church protects against unrepentant sin. And in verse 20, as for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. Again, what does the gospel come in and say about our sin? The gospel recognizes the reality of our sin, that we're totally depraved and in need of a savior, and then offers that savior in Jesus Christ and calls the sinner to faith and repentance. The gospel doesn't sweep sin under the rug, doesn't let sin go undealt with. The gospel doesn't say that sin isn't really that big a deal. What the gospel does is, is highlight just how serious sin really is. So serious that Christ had to die for us and bear the wrath of the Father in our place. So do we just go keep on sinning and presume that God will be gracious to us? May it never be, right? That's what Paul says in Romans 6. So the way that the church reflects the gospel in this area is that it rebukes those elders who are in unrepentant sin. It assumes that you've already gone through the initial steps of Matthew 18 and there's still no repentance. You know, we're not talking about a case where an elder sins against me once and then I get to go shout it out in front of the whole congregation. And we're talking about clear, substantiated unrepentant sin in the life of an elder. Christ's remedy for unrepentant sin in an elder's life is to rebuke him in the presence of all. John MacArthur calls this the the two-edged sword of ministry, that those who serve faithfully are to be honored and protected, but those who sin are to be removed and, and publicly rebuked. And the result of this public rebuke is so that the rest of the elders and even the congregation by extension would stand in fear. And ASB translates this phrase here in verse 20 as, so the rest also will be fearful of sinning. In public rebuke of an elder 
in front of the church should be a motivation for the rest of the elders and for the entire church to live lives of holiness and purity. You know, we've, we've seen this happen before. Whether it be even in our own church's history, when you hear of moral failure, of other church leaders, it makes you examine yourself. Right? We call this a, a cautionary tale. It causes you to take inventory of your own spiritual life. And you ask the question, is there any unrepentant sin in my own life? And you see the damage, the destruction, the shame that sin can bring, and, and you stand in fear of that. It's one of the motivations for holiness and for purity. It's not the only motivation, but it is a real factor. And here at Lighthouse, we must be a church that takes sin seriously. What, what becomes of the church that tolerates sin, especially amongst its leadership? We see that happen in the book of Revelation, right? Christ comes in and has a word for specific churches. A lot of what he condemns them for is their unwillingness to weed out unrepentant sin. And to, to each church besides two, he brings charges against them and then calls them to repentance. But this a lack of repentance there would, would bring judgment to the church in Ephesus, this very church. He writes, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. To the church in Pergamum, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. To Sardis, repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. This is the Lord Jesus talking. So we can absolutely not be a church that allows sin to run rampant, especially in the leadership. And the stakes are incredibly high. You know, Paul even alludes to this in, in verse 21, which is also where we find the next way the elders are to be protected from sin. Not only are elders uh, to be protected from false accusations and unrepentant sin, but they're also protected from sin by a commitment to impartiality. In verse 21, he writes, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Here Paul directly identifies the temptation that Timothy may have in response to the prior commands. What might that temptation be? It would be to administer these public rebukes in, in a partial way giving special treatment to some that is not afforded to others. You know, we see how this could easily play out, right? Church has an influential leader. You know, maybe he's uh, well-loved by the congregation. He's a big giver to the church financially. Maybe he's even gifted as a teacher, a communicator. What happens when it's brought to the other elders' attention that this man is living in unrepentant sin? Temptation could be to think, man, this guy, you know, I know he has some faults, uh, but he's so gifted. He's so well-liked. You know, it just would be too painful for him and his family. 
wouldn't it be too much to put the congregation through something like that? You know, like, why don't we just, we'll just look the way, other way on, on this one. That's not the attitude that Paul, Paul is, is commending here. Doesn't matter how much the person donates to the church or, or how skilled he is in teaching. It doesn't matter how long he's been an elder. It doesn't matter if people have even benefited greatly from his ministry. The man is in unrepented sin. You rebuke him in the presence of all with no measure of prejudice or partiality. It's so serious that Paul invokes the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels. This is to say that there is huge accountability here. It's not a trivial matter that doesn't really matter in the end. I mean, this is an issue that will be judged by God. When, when Timothy and the other elders stand before God, they'll give an account for whether or not they handled these things according to Christ's commands. So it's an extremely weighty charge. Let's extend this out to us as church members. You know, do we exercise impartiality in the way we treat sin? Are, are there some sins in our life that we're willing to kill, but you know, others that we're not? Are, are we willing to um, you know, confront others about some sins, uh, but other sins we just let brush aside? Are we we're, we're in, a, in a way that we're like fearful of hurting someone's feelings or tarnishing a relationship? I'm not saying we should go around looking to make people feel bad just for the sake of it, but you know, do we, we fear men more than we fear God? Do we, do we brush aside sins that we see in others because we just don't want to rock the boat? Right? Have, we, have we convinced ourselves that unity and peace mean that we just turn a blind eye to sin when we see it? No. In, in all these things, we must maintain a fidelity to Christ as Lord above all other things. And that means to be willing to do what he says, no matter what we perceive to be the cost, who's trusting in his goodness, in his kindness and his wisdom. He is Lord of the church. So we carry out these commands without any prejudice or partiality. As we come to the last few verses of this passage, uh, we see the final way that elders are protected from sin, which is through exercising patience in laying on hands. And we've seen already very clearly from 1 Timothy that the character of an elder is of utmost importance. It's not an insignificant matter for qualified men to be filling these roles. And since they're, they're to lead both in the teaching ministry and through the example of their lives, Elders play a unique role in the gospel ministry. So, so Paul says that patience is ne necessary when selecting new elders. You know, the risk of moving too quickly in this area would be that an unqualified man assumes the office of elder and brings unrepentant sin into the leadership of the church. The rest of the elders then take part in the sins of others in this case, or as the NASB puts it, share responsibility for the sins of others. So we see the reason why Paul is, is warning against hastily 
laying hands on somebody, you know, it's, it's for the purity of the leadership of the church. You know, moving slowly here is a protection against sin. Paul is providing biblical wisdom here for Timothy that there's going to be a temptation to move quickly when you either have a need that seems to, you know, just need to get filled, or you maybe come across a man who seems to exhibit a lot of talent, a lot of fruit. The wise thing to do is step back, exercise patience, and wait for the truth to come out. That's why he says in verse 24 that the sins of some are evident, but the sins of others appear later. It's not always clear right away. Some people can hide their sins well, some harbor hidden sins for a long time, but eventually it will appear. It's better to just wait, let a man prove himself, then lay hands on him, rather than rushing into things only to have his disqualifying sins come out at a later time. On the other hand, Timothy shouldn't immediately discount men who, who don't show good works right away. These can be hidden at a time for a time as well, uh, but eventually they'll show. And that's what he says in verse 25. He says, so also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. Basically saying that if a man's qualified, it will show in time. What should we take from this? Obviously, the principle is that we don't lay hands on elders too quickly, but the uh, you know, it applies to other positions of influence as well. Uh, it was the qualifications of the deacons that they should be tested first and prove themselves blameless. Be wise for us to not place people in these roles, whether elder, deacon, Bible study leader, you know, without doing due diligence and exercising patience and looking for spiritual fruit. And this goes for leadership in general, you know. Uh, who is it that you want to follow? Who do we want leading us? One of the, the biggest factors here is just proven faithfulness. Ladies, don't you, don't you want a man who's been proven to be faithful? Would you marry someone, start a family with someone, you know, who you're not really sure of? You know, the church needs men who are above reproach full of the spirit, who've been tested, proven faithful to Christ. Christ needs to be their Lord. All right, so authorial intent, wrapping it up, right? This is what we're after, right? What's the original author, Apostle Paul, speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit intending to communicate through this passage? We've, we've gone through all the details, but when we step back and look at the big picture, we see that the church is called to exhibit gospel care for its elders through valuing their labor and protecting them from sin in all the ways that we've talked about. The gospel is demonstrated in the life of the church when the ministry of the word is honored, when sin is taken seriously, unsubstantiated charges aren't brought against elders, Elders in unrepentant sin are publicly rebuked. Discipline is rendered without partiality and patience is practiced in selecting new leaders. This is how Christ cares for his church. And ultimately it's a question of lordship. 
Is Christ Lord of this church or is he not? You know, as we close here tonight, I just want to encourage us all to take some time to reflect on what we've we've heard from this passage. To spend some time considering how you value the ministry of the elders. Uh, Spend some time considering how much you value the word of God. Is it something that you want? Is it something that's worth your time and resources? Are there any idols in your heart that are choking out your love for his word? Furthermore, how are you handling the sin in your own heart? Are you dealing with it the way Jesus calls us to? Are you sweeping it under the rug? Is there a brother or sister that you've been meaning to lovingly confront about sin in their life? I would just urge us to pray through these things. Take stock. Examine your life and your heart and see where you can be more conformed to God's will, particularly as he's revealed it in this passage. I know I'm thankful I'm thankful to the Lord for our elders, uh, particularly for Pastor Mark, who labors you know, so hard to uh, bring us the spiritual food that we need. Uh, we've, we've been very blessed as a church, uh, truly blessed. So, um, you know, as we close, let's just pray to God now, uh, thanking him for uh, these great gifts that he's given to us. Let's pray. Lord, we do indeed just want to thank you uh, for the gift you've given to us. Lord, you've given us your word and and you've given us Christ, your son. And we don't deserve these things. Uh, Nothing that we do uh, merits your favor. Yet you've been so kind and so gracious to us. And you've been kind to us in, in providing us elders who love you, who love your word, and who labor diligently. Uh, to, in study and preparation uh, to teach us and to exhort us, to rebuke us even, and to shepherd our hearts and to help us become more like you. So we're thankful, Lord, for all these things. And we just pray that we would be a church uh, who, who loves and cherishes your word who honors our leaders, the elders that you have uh, given to us by your grace, and that we would be a church that takes sin seriously, uh, that we would be holy, uh, set apart uh, to do your ministry. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, Garrett, for uh, teaching us from the passage in First Timothy, and I really do just pray that the sentiment of just Garrett's prayers will really be just uh, something that really stays in our hearts and our our minds and really shapes our attitudes, especially regarding just the elders in the church, but also just regarding um, how we can also extend just our care for one another. And so um, I just want to just encourage you to continue to pray to that end, that we will indeed just submit to the Lord's Lord's shepherding in these things and really... um, really embrace these things and live them out, especially in our relationships with one another within the church. So thanks, Garrett. And with that said, um, I do just want to take this opportunity to share a few announcements before we close our time together this evening. 
Um, first of all, I just want to say a word of welcome, especially to any of you who are in attendance tonight who might be new to our Lagos Bible study or just visiting our church. Um, we're glad to have you with us. Um, we would love to get to know you and are happy um, that you have joined us in this time as you seek to really um, continue to grow in our Christian maturity and our understanding of the word. If you would like more information about especially the good news of the gospel, um, uh, more, more information about our church, our Lagos Bible study, which you are participating in this evening, or you have any other questions, um, I want to encourage you to reach out to a wonderful couple in our church, uh, JC and Kat Gueco, and I'm going to post their uh, email contact information in the chat here in a moment. So just give me a second. That's JC's email, and Kat's email is coming. So if you interested in finding more about our church or anything else related to gospel, we definitely just encourage you to reach out to them, okay? Um, this Sunday, we will be gathering for worship at 10 a.m., um, and we want to just strongly encourage you to prioritize attending Sunday service. For those of you who are members, you may have noticed that we did post an RSVP form for our Sunday service earlier today. Um, just a special note that because we are expecting that it will be raining on Sunday, we will only be having and hosting the indoor gathering. So there will be no outdoor gathering uh, for this Sunday. So um, the good news about the indoor gathering is there will be no limit in attendance. So if you would like to attend the indoor gathering for the Sunday service, I just strongly encourage you to RSVP uh, using the form that was posted on the members page. And I will also post a link to that here as well, if you would like, if you need it. Um, but if you aren't able to attend in person at church on Sunday, uh, we will be also streaming the service live. So for those of you who are able to attend, uh, you can uh, find the stream on the lbcsjaithink.com website or the LBCSJ YouTube channel. So you can look for it there, okay? Uh, just a quick note about Lagos. For next week, Lagos is going to be on a break. Um, it's the, the fourth week of the month is an opportunity for the elders to meet behind the scenes with the deacons and with some of the leadership uh, to, to minister. And so um, we will be resuming and reconvening on the following Thursday, on May 6th, for the final Lagos meeting of the year, which will be a Q&A with the elders. So I just want to encourage you to prepare your questions in advance. I do know that from the last Q&A, um, because of the nature of the questions and how, um, how eagerly our elders wanted to answer them comprehensively, we didn't make it through very many. So I just want to encourage you um, to just submit your questions early. Um, and you can do that through your discipleship groups and they will forward it uh, on your behalf. And then uh, I think the elders will do their best to, um, to be able to get through as many questions as they can. Um, and if not, you know, I, I know sometimes these Q and A's may not be the plus, best place for some of these answers to, uh, some of these questions to get addressed. So um, as always, your discipleship group leaders are always uh, here to serve you in that way to help um, address anything you might be thinking through or, or have questions about regarding uh, the gospel or the church or Christianity. Um, also, you know, our elders, I think, would more than welcome uh, any opportunity to talk with you as well as they're available. So, um, you know, if you don't get your question answered at the Q&A, please don't be discouraged. Please do make the most of the resources that are available to you, to you through other avenues of the church, okay? 
Um, just a reminder for Cornerstone, we will be on a break this Sunday. The next class will be on the um, Sunday, May 2nd. And so details will be uh, for that Cornerstone class will come out in the following week, okay? Uh, see, one other announcement is regarding uh, the North Creek Biblical Counseling Training Conference. Um, it's going to be coming up again soon this fall. And um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with this training conference and what it's about, it's an opportunity for members of our church to uh, receive uh, instruction and teaching regarding biblical counseling. And even if, you know, um, you aren't someone who considers themselves to be in need of training regarding biblical counseling because you don't think you would ever be formally doing any biblical counseling. We still want to be an advocate for encouraging you to go because, um, you know, biblical counseling is something that our church wants to encourage everyone in some, some way, shape, or form to be doing with one another. Um, even if it's not in a formal context, we really need to be ministering the word of God to each other in all of our relationships um, within the church. And so the biblical counseling uh, uh, um, conference is a wonderful opportunity to become equipped in these things um, so that you can hopefully more effectively just know how to love and care for one another. And so it's taking place at the North Church, North Creek Church in Walnut Creek this year. Um, you can register and find the details at the conference website, which I will post in the chat. Okay. So just give me a moment to do that. I have a few other words regarding the conference here. Um, you, can, you can register right now and find out details at that link. The conference takes place over three weekends, um, which are coming uh, three weekends, which are going to be in August, September, and October. And uh, the weekend sessions are a Friday evening and a full Saturday. Now, just a quick note that availability is limited due to safety measures being taken to minimize the risk of COVID-19. So I think um, this past year, they didn't meet in person, but this year they are allowing, from my understanding, people to meet in person at the conference. So if you have any interest in attending, I, I we want to strongly encourage you to register right away. Um, so please sign up early to ensure you can get a spot. Um, there'll be more details about the conference as the, the, the dates draw near. Um, if you have any additional questions about the conference itself, you can talk to or contact Edwin Lai or Miranda So. Okay. Um, and just a quick note, if you're wondering, there are going to be no discounts for registration this year, just because I do believe the, the conferences are already discounted. So, you know, there's not going to be in the past, we've had discounts for registering as a group, but there's not going to be any of those things. So, you know, we just encourage you to register right away. Okay. Um, let me see. Uh, and then just one other note. Um, uh, Lagos will be concluding for the school year after the Q&A with the elders in May, so we'll be on a little bit of a break, and then uh, we'll, we'll have an opportunity to, for folks to continue to participate in the Bible study through the Summer Book Club this summer, so I just want to encourage you um, to just keep your, your eyes peeled for just announcements and more details regarding that. And I just want to strongly encourage all of you to participate as that will be the primary midweek uh, um, form of fellowship for uh, Lighthouse Bible Church during the summer. So please, uh, I just encourage you to try to make it a priority to participate in that. Okay. 
Um, with that said, I just wanna thank you for joining us at Logos this evening. In a moment, I'll uh, close our time in a word of prayer and then you could drop off as you need. Um, but if you would like to stick around, I will be hanging out here for a little while and we'll be hosting a little bit of an icebreaker time that some of you have participated in the past. I just wanna strongly encourage you if you haven't joined to maybe make time to, to come for a little bit. Um, I'll just have an opportunity to spend some time sharing with one another. Um, in a more personal way. And so if you would like to stay, I encourage you to do that. But I totally understand and we totally understand if you want to drop off after we close with the word of prayer. Okay. Again, thanks for your time. And let me close our, our evening with the word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, indeed, you just want to just thank you for um, just the shepherding that you have provided to our church through just the leadership you have given us, especially in our elders, um, from Pastor Mark to Ted and Peter, and even just through the rest of the leadership, and even on down to everyone who participates in just serving in some way, and even just... Uh, in just the way that which in which the members care for one another, Lord. And we just want to um, just thank you, God, that, Father, you are a God who desires for your church to um, be structured in a way where the people receive the right care. And, Lord, I pray that as we have had this opportunity to receive encouragement, teaching, and instruction regarding how we can really minister gospel care to our elders, that we would sincerely um, ask for you to enable our hearts to submit to this teaching, God, that we would receive it with joy and just recognize, Father, that um, the men who serve do with a desire to really honor and glorify you, but also to provide just your good gospel care to all the members of our church, God. And Lord, so I pray, Father, that we would really um, rightly love and care for these men for they have really poured out their lives in so many ways to really do the work of ministry, God. Um, I also pray, Lord, that in addition to caring for our leadership, that we would also, God, all the more seek to really minister gospel care to one another, um, that we would really um, love each other with the love of Christ, but also in the ways in which we are stumbling in sin or struggling with sin, which we all have will and um, when will in the future, God, that we would be just loving in the way in which we um, just relate with one another, God, and that we would really see, Father, that, Lord, it is good to be able to grow in godliness, um, to really be made holy, because that is the way in which you can really um, prepare us for the time when we will see you face to face, God, is that we would be received rightly into your presence, um, being shaped in the likeness of Christ and into the image of you, our Father, God, as you desire, and that comes through both um, just our equipping and edification, but also through putting to death the sin that so easily entangles us. So, Father, I pray that you would accomplish your work and all these good things, Father. Um, I thank you for the time we've had together and do pray, Lord, that you would um, just graciously um, enable us, hopefully in the coming months, to be able to transition from a time where we were meeting online to a time when we can uh, be free to meet it together again in person, Lord. And we just want to pray to that end, Father. Um, that we would have the sweet blessing of being able to just enjoy all the aspects of fellowship um, that you have given us again soon. Um, but in the meantime, we do just thank you for this time that we've had and for the ways in which we have been able to make the most of it. And so pray that the work of your word and your presence, Father, would go 
uh, with us as we continue on through the rest of our week. We thank you for these things, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.